Welcome back to Truck Tech, everyone. This week, coming to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the, the Torque Robotics Testing Center for autonomous trucks. You can see them behind me, as well as the beautiful mountains here in the high desert country. This show uh, will get into what Daimler Truck and Torque are doing together to make autonomy for real, not just trucks, but everything that goes into it. And we'll get into that with some of our guests today, which include uh, Joanna Butler, who is the uh, head of autonomous vehicles for all of Daimler Truck uh, autonomous programs. And we'll also talk to Peter Von Schmidt, who is the uh, CEO of Torque Robotics and formerly had the job that Joanna has. And we'll catch up briefly on some of the customer issues and some of the customer testing that's going on with Torque vehicles um, from Andrew Colhane, who's the head of strategy for Torque. So we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to Truck Tech. I'm here with Joanna Butler, who is a global head of autonomous vehicle technology for Daimler Truck. We are in Albuquerque, New Mexico for uh, some time with the Torque Truck and the Torque people. Opportunity, Joanna, great to see you again. Well, I don't think we've seen you since Manifest, uh, yeah. I believe, it was earlier this year. Sure. But just a great opportunity to get caught up a little bit um, on where, not just where Torque is, because we will have an opportunity to get into that. But I want to get a good understanding of how you're approaching overall autonomy at, at Daimler Truck now in this role. You haven't been in it that long. Absolutely, yes. So first of all, thank you for having me. Super excited to be on your program. Um, yeah, where are we at? So I would I would say um, we really uh, have a great strategy and we've been staying that course over the past couple years and uh, with a clear roadmap and ingredients, how to get really to autonomy and release this as a product. Uh, we have just announced market entry by 2027. Um, we feel we are really well on our way. So give, let me give you a couple of examples what we're doing uh, from a global perspective or, you know, Dymatrack perspective. So first of all, we said we want to have a focused use case and we targeted the U.S. market first and we stay laser focused on that, targeting what we call uh, hub to hub on highway driving. Here working very closely with Torque Robotics on um, uh, realizing that vision. When we talk about have to have, what does that mean? You know, imagine these are locations where the autonomous vehicle can be received and launched from. That could be a transfer hub, it could be maybe a distribution center. Um, it is a location that is within our operational design domain and the vehicle can actually reach, uh, um, develop the freight to and depart from as well. Torque Robotics acquired, uh, mostly acquired by Daimler in 2019 independent subsidiary, and yet it feels like there's a quite a business case now that's mm -hmm. being developed. And of course, you know, this is Peter Von Schmidt's uh, space, and so we'll get into that with him a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's really important to understand uh, just how you see this development. You have something built in that a lot of the competition doesn't, and that's a, that's a customer base, a really that's large great. customer base. I think you use the term 80 billion tons of freight or something like that. I mean, it's it's enormous yes. what you're trying to do. So so put that into some perspective, if you could. Um, you don't have to worry about the whole world. You just have to worry about those customers, right? Well, we worry about all our customers, but as we go to market with this technology, we definitely work with what we would call early adopters. Um, and that customer base helps us to understand how autonomous technology can really um, realize the benefits that we have communicated. How can we make their operations more efficient? How can we make it safer? How do we help them really keep freight moving? How do we help them offset uh, driver shortage or other constraints that they see today? And so those conversations are happening uh, today in a forum that we call 
the uh, Torque Autonomous Advisory Council. Uh, our largest fleets are participating in that. And so those learnings also inform uh, the development and the technology. And yes, through Daimler, we have about 60% market share in that target market, you know, um, on highway long haul driving. And it's obviously a perfect place also for Torque to be integrated. And, uh, and we have those trusted long-term relationships with customers and bringing in Torque as a partner into, into that relationship is really critical. And they uh, just have invaluable learnings from all those conversations. I think the other thing we've had an opportunity to spend a little bit of time looking at this since we've been here, and that is this idea now of the, of the true integrated chassis mm -hmm. and the true truck. This idea of, uh, we talk about redundancy all the time. I don't know if, if people really get it when we talk about it, but you're now pointing to four or five areas that are just critical that you have, and you've now integrated those and are ready to launch it into the Torque product. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So uh, the foundation for what we say any level four driving is a safe and reliable redundant platform. So our autonomous ready Cascadia uh, has redundancy systems in the safety critical areas of steering, braking, power net, so power, your power generation, power distribution, and also your EE architecture. So imagine if uh, you would have, for example, a steering motor error. Today, you only have one steering motor in a level two system, for example. In the future, you'll have two steering motors, both operating at the same time. If one fails, you have immediately a backup system that can take over because why? You know, you don't, you have a system, a level four system doesn't have any human intervention. So instead of a human taking over and steering the vehicle hydraulically, you now have an electronic, electronic backup system. And that's why that's so critical to have those systems identified that are safety relevant and as the foundation for level four driving. When we think about uh, the term that's often used in, in the industry is fallback, when there is a problem and you get to the side of the road safely and that sort of thing. You have a little different approach to that, this idea of, I want to call it limp home. I think I use that term. Yes. But, but the idea is that, that you need to be able to keep going for, what, 20 minutes or up to 20 minutes to do yeah. what? Let me, let me uh, elaborate on that a little bit. So, yeah, we do not call it limp home, but we call it fail operational, which means if there is a failure, we need to execute a minimum risk maneuver, uh, bring the truck to a safe stop on the side of the road. Um, to be very exact, the truck needs to ac actually execute the safest maneuver possible for the situation, which in most cases will be fail, opera fail operational to come to a safe stop. The 20 minutes come into play when it comes to stored power. So in case, um, let's say our alternator fails, so the system that generates power in the vehicle, we still have uh, about 20 minutes of stored power through um, an additional set of batteries that we have spec. And this would with. presumably get you to an off-ramp and then to an even safer place than, say, the side of the road, because as I think you said, the side of the road isn't always the safest place. Yes. So it would the vehicle and in combination, actually, with mission control, will then decide where the safest location for that stop and rescue and recovery is. Mm -hmm. From a global perspective, I think, you know, the, the roads in the U.S., uh, you know, the, the broader roads and things like that are, are obviously better suited to starting with autonomy. But you do, Torque does have operations in Europe, and you are looking at things elsewhere. Can you talk a little bit about maybe where next? Is there such a thing as that? Yeah, so let me start with um, how we actually design the platform, the vehicle platform. 
uh, and even the, the autonomy platform, I would say, and that is with scalability in mind. So the components that we're releasing for the United States um, are actually global components that can work just as well um, in a Mercedes-Benz truck. So mm -hmm. today we'll focus on Freightliner Cascadia. In the future, I won't say when, uh, we may also implement this technology in a Mercedes-Benz Actros, for example. So mm -hmm. already keeping the next step in mind as we develop this technology is quite critical. So once we have the first market launch here in the US, we can scale uh, rather fast into other markets, other locations. Um, just to give you one other market that we're looking at, uh, Europe, for example, we're right now looking at what the business case um, prerequisites would be, um, the regulatory framework and the customer base that is in Europe and that this technology would be suitable for. Um, you know, in the US, we started this because we saw a huge opportunity from a safety perspective, from you know, a freight efficiency perspective, and absolutely from a business case perspective. And that's the same way we would approach any other market. Torque has been interesting, and Daimler, uh, by extension, has been interesting in that this has never been a race for you. This mm -hmm. has never been get there first or anything like that. You've now said 2027 mm -hmm. for commercial entry. And mm -hmm. I presume that means I-40 here in the New Mexico over to Texas. And the Southwest Southwest region, yeah. We have actually a network that we will launch. Yeah. So you actually have now put a date on it. And maybe that's perhaps even uh, uh, you know a little more realistic in a sense, because we do have some competitors that say end of 2024, they want to do limited commercial routing. They've done some things that I know you all are still working on, or they've mm -hmm. talked about things that you're still working on. Um, do you feel that, again, your situation is different? You've got this customer base, and it becomes a point of optionality. I hate that word. It's an option, right? I mean, for some of your customers, this will be an option just like ordering anything else on a truck. Absolutely. So I think there's two aspects to what you just said. So first of all, we always said it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I'm actually right now training for a marathon. So oh. now I know exactly what this statement means, which you have to have a training plan and you have to stick to it. That's our roadmap, right? We have a roadmap. We know how we're going to develop and roll out, test and validate safely. And we're sticking to it and we're doing a good progress. So. 2027, why did we communicate this date now? Because we have confidence that this is the first time that we can uh, introduce this technology in a safe and reliable manner to our early adopters, uh, customers. Right. Eric, you've talked about uh, powertrain agnostic. Mm -hmm. The first trucks will be diesel trucks. Yeah. Ultimately, Absolutely. they're not going to be because, you know, down yeah. the road. You're doing a lot of work, obviously, with the eCascadia and things like that. It's interesting that you know, one of your uh, test customers right now is Snyder. Snyder has mm -hmm. a very large electric facility, charging facility. They just opened in in, in the Alamante, California area. Um, it, does it make sense then to begin to work with the customers individually, or is the switch over to other sources of power something that is done more behind the scenes? And so, also here, you know, we're looking at what is the use case that we're tackling. What is the available propulsion technology and the use case that we're tackling? We're tackling long distances, long haul driving. Today, diesel is the predominant technology. That's what we're basing um, autonomy on as well. In the future, as uh, zero emissions technology further develops, ranges increase, of course, we want to also be able to plug into that. You know, we really believe in 
driving uh, sustainable transportation, leading sustainable transportation. And that would absolutely entail also having a uh, low emission, zero emission offering for autonomy when the time is right sure. for that. Again, I will re repeat myself, setting the foundation now um, in terms of developing the systems in a way that they could be agnostic or easily adapted to other propulsion technologies. Take, for example, uh, motion control, you know, your powertrain controller and the logic that operates today in our, uh, what we call CPC, so our mm -hmm. common powertrain controller that works with a diesel truck. That logic can also be implemented into the powertrain controller or electric uh, motor controller uh, of future uh, vehicles. And so always keep in mind being one step ahead uh, in the development process to be ready when the technology is ready, when our customers are ready. And again, as you mentioned, customer input and customer feedback also as we develop that, ensuring, for example, um, that we uh, keep electric uh, infrastructure in mind and look at how are we going to scale our autonomous infrastructure, where will those will this charging infrastructure uh, develop and uh, making sure that once we're ready, it's also going to be easy for our customers to uh, combine both technologies together. Sure. Joanna, great to catch up. Thank you so Thank much you so for much. coming by. Good to see you, Alan. Yep. Thank you. Peter von Schmidt, great to see you again. It has been a little bit of time, but we did spend some time talking about your first days here at, at, at Torque. You've been here now going on a year and a half. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And you've got quite a bit to show. I mean, right behind us, you've got a, a nice fleet. I know you've had some of these trucks, but what's interesting is they're going to go away, right? They're they're not going to be here much longer. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit sad, but we will sunset them uh, by end of the year and then introduce the next generation. Um, it's a typical product development process. You start out with advanced engineering and research, and then you find your final setup. And uh, now our vision is really that we create a scalable, profitable product. So we really need production intent sensors, computes on the final version of a fully redundant chassis and all this conversion uh, to the final setup. This is then also ready for prime time, the launch on 27. Um, this conversion uh, takes place right now and uh, they will come then into our fleet begin of next year. 2027, it still takes some time to do, I don't know if the word shakeout is correct, but you need to make sure that everything that you're getting from these suppliers and that you're integrating, that you're able to do it both for yourselves and for the ultimate customer, right? The uh -huh. fleets and things like that, that takes some time. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just working on the hardware itself uh, so that it's ready to be built in Daimler trucks assembly plants. And that takes a lot of uh, preparation so that, that everything is mature and uh, can, can be built in there. And by the way, nothing will beat the quality and the cost that comes out of an assembly plant. Right? And that's what you ultimately want. But there's a lot more things that we need to do. There's a lot, lot of things that we need to, where we need to further develop our software to our final goal. So we know what it does it take to remove a safety driver um, by 27. And we're working towards this, but there's still some work left. Uh, but then also everything else, uh, preparing our customers how to use this technology. There needs to be a mission control. There need to be departure checks. There need to be an arrival. Um, all the um, on-road health checks uh, that, that need to take care. There's a lot of things that still need to be finalized until technology is ready for prime time. One of the things that you gain from uh, having, uh, you know, building the trucks in your plant and, and that sort of thing is, uh, I think you've discussed maybe a one-year payback. They're, they're going to be more expensive than a standard truck. We know that. But you said 
not not crazy expensive. It's going to be, you know, an opportunity to get the payback on this relatively quickly. Can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah, our, our go-to-market strategy will be a pretty traditional one. You buy a truck from Daimler Trucks, Freightliner, mm -hmm. and you buy the virtual driver from us as a subscription. And we want to meet price points. The truck carries a lot more technology, as you'll see, but um, the, the, the price up should be moderate so that the fleet um, has has really a payback time of, of one year. And I think this, this will then drive the acceptance uh, of, of customers. Well, you're already working with some of the bigger fleets now with, with uh, Schneider and with uh, CR England and doing some work now. Can you kind of describe what they're working on with you? It's, it's not, as you said, they're, you know, they're not just hauling cement block. Actually, hauling real freight, uh, not so much for revenue purposes, but just mm -hmm. to get a feel for it. Can you take us through a little bit of what they're doing and what what those specific uh, workouts are? Yeah, I think the most interesting thing for fleets is really they have no doubts that we unlock this technology. But what does it really mean for them? As you know, labor shortage doesn't only mean there's driver shortage. There's also technician shortage. So what does it mean for their maintenance? How do they need to train up their technicians? Um, how reliable and robust is this technology, but also how does it need to be operated um, on the hub uh, during the mission? How does our system seamlessly integrate into their systems so they can manage a mixed fleet out of manual driven and automated trucks out of their today's systems? Um, and, and these are a lot of things where the customers are really interested. And then, of course, understand on which lane is the most profitable to be used first. So call it a TCO calculator that I really can say, OK, I want to launch it first on this lane and then this lane next. And here it's most suited. Well, and, and you know, we talk from time to time, uh, almost all the time it comes to you know, density of lanes. You know, you want to have enough freight to make it work worthwhile. The lane has to be long enough to where it's something that, you know, has a payback to it. I think you've said over 200 miles, and I think most would agree with that. Uh -huh. You know, we see a lot of attention right now to I-45, Dallas to Houston, very freight dense route, but not a terribly profitable one because you're not going all that far and you have to extend out from there. So I presume that's what your, your fleets, the fleets you're working with are looking at is how can we get a longer route where we can actually, you know, make some money at it. Yeah, I think the fleets have a really, really good feeling for where, where does this technology add the most value for them. We are developing technology that doesn't work only on one lane, so it's more or less a feature set that we are developing that should work, I-40 thousand everything. And then we will focus on what the customer needs most. But this might be a connection to Mexico first. Um, we get a lot of ask here. And of course, we should be able to not only serve one hub in one city, but multiple hubs uh, per city, so that it is a real product that can scale. Um, that that's the main purpose. And we get so much valuable input from our customers where to focus our energies, but also what needs to be there so that it's a meaningful product, not just a tech demonstrator to them. We saw this before when, when Daimler got heavy into electrification, you brought together a lot of uh, stakeholders basically and created a, a group to get information from, Daimler did, and, and it seems that's the same play now that's happening with, with autonomy. That is bring the people in who can tell you what they need, but also can sort of help you uh, in a general kind of way. Is that accurate? Yeah, and you know, it worked out. Why not just doing it again? Yeah. So, I mean, it worked for electric. Why not trying to do it with autonomous? And the fleets know their business best. And it's all about, we don't want to deploy a technology. We need to develop a product and a business that they can use. And so better talk to them. Sure. And they have the right advice for us. Right. And it's, by the way, fun. I mean, you, you, we, we're trying to help them to make their business better and more profitable down the road so that they 
can be faster, that they can be safe, that they can operate at lower costs. Um, so we really want to help them to elevate their business. There's no science project involved any longer in autonomy for Daimler, sir. I mean, this is all about building a product and building a business now. Yeah, that's why we also always said, hey, we want to launch towards end of the decade and we were more details at 27 because we thought by then we have everything together. The truck, sense on compute, software, the ecosystem. Uh, the, the research and science part is more than on the next generation. Mm. What do, would it take to expand capabilities? Um, so there, there's still a lot of research on, or of course, I mean, a lot of new technology like generative AI is in the development, sure. how to put this in, to bring costs down, to scale even more. So, so we, we, we also work on these things, but then let's say 95% of our resources really on launching a product. And of course, we are also looking again to the next horizon. Right. Well, we can't see those trucks today. That's fair, I guess. But the fact is, they're going to look a lot like normal Freightliner trucks. They won't have that sort of, you know, the spinning LIDARs and things like that. You know, uh, the, 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 these called the unibrow across the top, <laughs> you know, and things like that. They're going to look like pretty much normal trucks. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a dream. And we also try to keep it as close as possible uh, to normal trucks. But of course, we are also adding a lot of stuff in an aerodynamic fashion. So I think an outsider will recognize it looks a little bit different, like those trucks. I mean, look, look a little bit different, but not too much. Yeah. So that's yeah. our purpose. Yeah. Very good. Peter, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you for being again. in Albuquerque. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks. So, Andrew Colhane, it's it's really interesting having listened to some of the shippers and some of the carriers now that are testing on this route from Phoenix out to Oklahoma City with the torque trucks. Their experiences are pretty interesting. They're, they're very praiseworthy of what's happening. What are you hearing that is making you kind of go back to the team and say, we need to work on this? Yeah, the best part of the feedback is actually really interesting and that it all, you know, if you take all the conversations we've had over the last day here, it come down, comes down to trust, transparency, and communication. And so I think the biggest bit of feedback is that we're building that trust, both with the carriers, with the shippers, with their workforce, and having that clear communication about what these technologies and what these trucks can do and can't do. And that trust goes both ways. They can give us that feedback and give us really candid input around, hey, this piece of the product, whether it's TMS integration or mission control, needs to evolve in a certain way. And that's the best feedback we have is that back and forth there. One of the things that clearly they've done is they influenced you in terms of where that first route's going to be. The, the uh, you call it the MVP. I don't know if that really means MVP, or not, <laughs> but uh, where that MVP route is going to be from sort of Laredo up to uh, up to the Dallas area, right? Um, is this something you know with all of the uh, nearshoring and things like that that we're hearing about now? Is this something that surprised you? You expected that to happen? Uh, I wouldn't say surprised us, right? We've seen these trends going for a while, uh, but again, if you step back. We are experts in building autonomous trucks and all of the tools to support it. They're experts in moving freight and the freight industry. And so it's great to get that direct feedback from them. Uh, but we would never pretend to know more than a, than a Schneider or a CR England about freight flows and freight operations, right? That's what they're experts in. And so it's great that we can get that feedback uh, and adjust our development plans to meet the market need. Yeah. The, the, uh, the idea that they are already starting to do some of the ancillary, maybe that's not the right word, but the ancillary things that, that are important, uh, you mentioned TMS. Uh, you know, and, and get some of the, I think you use the term personas identified. What do, what do these jobs really mean? Um, can you talk about that a little bit in terms of just, you know, uh, a dispatcher might still be a dispatcher, but doing something different? 
Yeah, we talked about those those extra job functions or, or kind of opportunities to grow and change those roles. Uh, and it really kind of comes down to the fact that, as they would tell us, the truck is our problem, right? We have to solve getting that truck down the road, but we have to solve together is all of the workforce training, change management, how these things integrate, because that's what's really going to go from running a few trucks to scaling up that operation. And so, you know, dispatchers are a great example. We have a role, you know, which is mission control. What do they do in their job today? How can we train and develop tools that let them operate autonomous trucks in the future? A similar conversation downstairs around uh, integration with TMS. How does that planner connect up with the TMS and understand the capabilities and limitations of autonomous trucks and roll that into their planning process as well? Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed the show today coming from Albuquerque. As I've said many times, we'd love to get out on the road and bring you what's going on both in the autonomous space, electrification, and the other areas of technology that we cover at Truck Tech. You can catch this episode. Obviously, if you didn't see it live, you can catch it on the FreightWaves YouTube channel. Go to, uh, go to Shows and then go to Truck Tech, and you'll see a playlist of all the episodes that we've got in there for you. We also have our newsletter, which will have a little bit more about this on Friday. Uh, a fuller interview with Andrew Colhane that gets into a lot of the strategy that, that has gone into what Torque is working on. So we hope you'll, uh, you'll either subscribe to that. You can also catch that at 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, it'll post on the Freightways website. So in any case, catch what we're up to. We really want you, we want your feedback. We want to hear from you about it. And thanks for joining.